Listen to these words. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend, and he referred to the dates on his tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came his birth, and he spoke those dates with tears, but he said what mattered most of all was that little dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that he spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved him know what that little line was worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters most is how we live and how we spend our dash. That's half of a poem that I wanted to share with you today because I want to be sure that we have enough time for everything else. And in our world, for whatever reason, time has become a pretty big commodity. People say, I would have done that if I would have had just a little bit more time. Or they say something like, uh, uh, this is not the right time. Or it's just a matter of time. Or they say things that imply that there is always enough time. I don't know if you realize this, but in our culture, Timex, the place that does the watches, did a survey and They said in our culture, the average American home, the average American will wait 20 minutes for the last person to show up on Thanksgiving Day to eat, but only 20 minutes. I don't know about your house. I'm not sure my house is average. They say they will wait, the average person will wait 20 minutes to leave if the blind date doesn't show up. 13 minutes, they will wait for a table at a restaurant. You ever been to Green River Road? (laughs) It'll be 47 and a half minutes, sir. 13 minutes, I'm out. The average person will wait 45 seconds to ask someone who is talking too loud on their telephone to hush it up. The average person will wait 26 seconds before taking someone's seat who has got up and left their seat. We wouldn't do that at church, of course, because we all have our assigned seats. 26 seconds will will be waited before a person hushes another person at the movie. 13 seconds before honking your horn when you're in traffic. It's all about time and how we address time issues. I don't know if you saw this in the news, but Jeff Miller, an independent businessman from Rogers Park, Illinois, clinched for the third straight year, consecutive year, the Ultimate Couch Potato Award. For 72 hours, he sat at ESPN Zone in Chicago, Illinois, and he watched ESPN for 72 uninterrupted hours. They would bring him food when he wanted, and they gave him scheduled bathroom breaks, but this is the third year in a row, and he is now in the Guinness Book of Records. I know what some of you are thinking, that was a waste of time. He won a thousand bucks, and he won a year's worth of cable connection, and he also has a trophy, and I know what you're thinking, my husband could beat him today. 
you're not going to believe this, in Houston, they were having a problem when people flew into their airport. They had a minute walk to the baggage area, which is well above the national average, or well below, I guess. And then they had to wait seven minutes for their luggage. It took the airlines eight minutes to get the luggage from the airplane to the luggage area, which is well below the national average. But people were complaining about that. They were waiting seven minutes for their bags. So they thought about hiring um, extra baggage handlers, and that didn't work. They still had complaints. So what they ended up doing, they moved the arrival gates further away from the baggage claim. So now people have to walk a little bit further, but they don't have to wait near as long for their luggage, so they think they've hit the right spot. Kind of reminds me of that commercial that's on TV. It's not how fast you mow, it's how well you mow fast. If I could do this today, if I could be so bold, because I think as James begins to talk about wisdom and obedience and as it connects to the will of God, I think he might say it's not how fast you live because we live in a fast world, don't we? But it's how well you live fast. And I think the only way that we can live fast successfully is if we have this relationship with Jesus and if we're connected the way we ought to be. So today, if you will, James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, we will continue the study. It's not how fast you live, but it's how well you live fast. You know, our culture, one of the most desired commodities, maybe not be money nowadays, but it's time. Everybody wants a little more time, and that seems to be the way we are driven nowadays. It's the better regulators of time that seem to make their mark on our world. And smartphones are amazing, aren't they? My smartphone right now is in my office because some of you have my phone number. And there are many a times if it's in my pocket, I will feel my legs start to buzz. You might be texting me a message or calling me up. So I have left my phone in my office now. It's a lot easier that way to survive sermons if I'm not shaking my leg, you know. But there's a new app called Gotta Go. And it's pretty ingenious because if you have that app and you are talking to someone that you don't want to talk to, or you've talked to someone longer than you want to talk to, you could push this app and it sounds like you're getting another phone when you're really not. And you can say, hey, got to go, got one coming. If you're ever talking to me on the phone and say, hey, I say, hey, I got to go, I don't have that app, I just really got to go, you know. But we, we are so busy and we are so driven that way. USA Today says the five top reasons that people put off because of time, first off is changing your oil. People just say they don't have enough time to do that. So they, who, who changes their own oil anymore? You know, you almost have to have a degree in, in, in some type of, of computer science to, to, to do the right thing, but that's what they put off most. Number four is calling relatives. People have a tendency to not want to call their relatives much. Why is that? The experts say some of your relatives make you crazy. So you don't call them very much. Number three, making doctors and dental appointments. 
You know that the highest suicide rate of professionals in our culture are dentists because they don't think people like them. Do I have any dentists in here today? (laughs) We don't like you. you Number two, holiday gift shopping. Who shops at the last minute? I mean, okay, guys, I mean, that's kind of our thing, and we can go out there and find some. And plus, it's on sale. And I know my wife always wanted a new car battery. I can get one pretty cheap at that. The number one thing that people put off is house chores and yard work because we don't have enough time. Our lives have become so complicated, so busy. Time has become the most valuable commodity in our day, and we have to understand how to use our time better, especially when it comes to be making wise choices and being obedient as it relates to the will of God, and that's where James takes us today. One executive says this. He says this about time. My life is hectic. I'm running all day, meetings, phone calls, paper, uh, paperwork to do. I go to bed exhausted every night. I push myself to the limit. I get up early the next morning to do it all again. I, my, my output is tremendous. I'm getting a lot done, but sometimes I get this feeling inside. So what? What am I doing that really counts? I have to admit, I don't know. In just a few moments, we're going to be doing communion at a little different time today, and we'll be doing it this way for, I think, the summer. Because communion is what we really come together for, isn't it? I mean, we have a time when we can sit down with God all by ourselves and we can pour out our heart to him and ask for grace and forgiveness and kindness and mercy. It is the most important thing that we do every Lord's Day. And it's all about organizing our time just a wee bit better. And sometimes we just happen to be in the wrong place place at the wrong time. I shared this story with my Sunday school group two weeks ago. It's, it's kind of a hard story, but I want to introduce you to this lady here. Her name is Mrs. Perez, and she may not be coming up on the screen. Did she? There she is. That's her with one of her six children. She lives in the mountains of Mexico And it was the birth of her sixth child that I want to share with you today because she said she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was at home in their one-room cabin. She was 80 kilometers from the nearest hospital. And her husband was in a little cantina about uh, three or four miles away. She said she had been in labor, intense labor, intense pain for 12 hours. This was her sixth child, so she knew things weren't right. And she wanted to do the best for the baby, so she sent her youngest child to go find dad at the cantina and say, Dad, come home, help. He had helped deliver all these other children, and she said she got herself on their kitchen table underneath one single light bulb, and she took, she says, three swigs of rubbing alcohol, And then she began to do a self-induced C-section. Once the baby was in her arms and she said once she cut the umbilical cord, she gave the baby to one of her other children and passed out. 
I would have passed out a lot sooner than that. When she came to, her husband and a friend were there, and they were helping her into a bed to rest. She says that she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's all about timing. And in our culture, I am amazed at the way things tend to fall into that same category. And evidently, James thought that his friends, as they read this letter, his friends needed to be reminded that obedience and wisdom, the choices that we make, have everything to do with God's will in our life. And he begins to talk to them about planning ahead and searching for the will of God and prayer and how things began to work that way. And here's the way the Bible presents it in James chapter 4, starting with verse 13. He says, now listen, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there carrying on business and make money. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Watch your life. You are a mist that appears for a little while. You are a vapor. And then you vanish. Instead, you ought to say, it is the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, catch it, sins. Throughout the Bible, people who were outside of God's will often found themselves in trouble. Remember when Lot moved his family to Sodom? That didn't turn out very well, did it? Remember when David had a little fling with Bathsheba? That didn't turn out very well for him in the kingdom, did it? Remember Jonah when he wanted to run away from God? He ended up in the belly of a great fish. And the next thing he knew, my mom's here, I'm going to say this anyhow, that fish puked him out on the banks. And he made his way to Nineveh. In each case, there was a wrong attitude or a wrong choice towards the will of God, and the Bible caused that, caused that sin. So in this section, James points out three options towards the will of God, towards planning ahead, towards God's will. And the first option is ignoring God's will, verses 13, 14, and 16. And perhaps James was talking to some movers and shakers who were there, some wealthy merchants. It doesn't say it's a sin to make money, but I think it is saying that it is a sin to make plans without connecting to God. And maybe some of these guys were making some sins. They measured their accomplishments by their, their own efforts. And that's a scary place to be in. James presents four arguments that reveal the foolishness for trying to do life outside of God's will. And the first, in verse 13, is about the complexity of life. And isn't life a little bit complex? I mean, it starts out when our little ones are born. They ask you that $5,000 question. Do you have a car seat? And if you say, yeah, we have a car seat, they give you that little bundle of joy, and you go. How many young parents can't remember the last time they slept through a whole night? I mean, it's 
They don't tell you that. When was the last time you didn't know what to do for your baby when your baby was crying? And I, I love that when my boys got to the age where they could tell me what hurt. But life starts out complex, doesn't it? And it doesn't get any easier. As we do life, it just gets a little bit harder and more complex, more busy, and life begins to unravel around us. And in Romans 2.28, we are told, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to their purpose. Charlie Brown says he wishes he just had a little bit more time to warm up when it comes to life. We don't have that chance, do we? We just get thrown right into it and as you grow and go to school and as you marry, as you get older, life just gets more complicated. He also talks in verse 14 about the uncertainty of life and how we just don't know exactly what tomorrow is going to bring. In fact, the Bible says here, we are all like a vapor. (laughs) The next time you're having a hard time with someone, just say, why don't you go to James 4? You're a vapor, buddy. You're just here for a little while and then you're gone. Last Sunday, I had a friend playing drums for us. Got a call Monday. My friend was in Deaconess Hospital, intensive care unit, not really knowing what was going on. Still in the hospital today, yeah? Doing better, yeah? Dave Manette, you need to pray for my friend. That God will bless those doctors and nurses, and they will be able to do things greater than themselves. I want to see him up here beating these things again sometime soon. I had another friend last week for a service. Her name is Jan. Got a call Monday that she had stopped breathing and she was in Deaconess ICU trying to uncover the complexities of those difficulties. I saw her Tuesday morning and she was doing pretty good. She was still connected to all the paraphernalia, but her eyes were open, and I could say, Jan, this is Jerry from church, and she would shake her head. She could respond that way. I think it was Wednesday. They took everything off of her, and she was breathing on her own. When I left town Saturday, she had crashed again, and right now she is in Deaconess ICU, and I ask you to pray for my friend Jan, if you could do that today. I've talked to friends today that are going through relational issues, health issues. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, do we? I mean, we don't. The uncertainty of life, we are just like vapor that vanishes quickly. He goes on to give attention to the brevity of life. Had a friend tell me, Clark, don't sweat the small stuff. You know what I have decided? You don't have to sweat the small stuff. If you're a Christian, you don't even have to sweat the big stuff. People say, if it's not fatal, don't sweat it. I'm saying, if you are a Christian, the Bible says you don't even have to sweat it. God has a plan for you and for me, even after this life. But life is is brief. He also talks about the frailty of life, verse 16. And we are called upon the Father 
to keep us where we ought to be in life. The second thing that James presents as an option is disobeying the will of God, verse 17. The scripture is pretty clear. God's will is for those of us to do things that are good. Verse 17 says, anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it is sin. Stink, stink, and stink. Anybody like that verse? I mean, if you know what you ought to say and you don't say it, sin. If you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, sin. If you know where you ought to go and you don't go, it's sin. You know, I understand if I do something I shouldn't do, that's sin, isn't it? Do this, huh? And now the Bible's saying, if we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, sin, sin, sin. Is your home a happy place? I mean, think about it. Are you doing all that you could do to make your home a happy place? If not, sin. When you say things to people, do you say things when you ought to? Or do you keep your mouth closed when you ought to? When you say them, do you say them with love, with kindness, with compassion, with tenderness? Because if not, it's sin. Not my favorite verse, you know? I know if I do these things, that's sin. But if I don't do, seriously? Yeah, seriously. A mom was having a rather rough day with her son. Who can imagine that? Here's what she said. All right, Billy, do anything you darn well please. Now let's see you disobey that. (laughs) I have a four-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Maddie Grace. Not too long ago, she was in trouble. She was in timeout. When it was time for her to come out of timeout, she said, I'm not done yet. You know, repentance has to be part of the deal, too, and there is a process that you go through, and when your parents ever use all three of your names, you know you're in trouble. Beverly Elizabeth Provost, did you hear me? Yes, my ears heard you, but my legs didn't. I mean, if you've got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Do we ever grow out of that? Debbie might say, hey, it's trash day. You know what that means? That means for me to get up off of the couch or out of the bed and get the trash out. If not, that truck will not stop for me. I don't know why. I'm not sure we ever grow out of that. Have you ever been to Mammoth Cave? Have you been on that tour where they turn the lights out? How dark does it get? Dark, yeah, I mean, dark. They didn't tell me they were going to turn the lights out. They turned the lights out. I was little. I was afraid, so I grabbed my dad's leg. When the lights came on, I had somebody else's dad's leg. (laughs) Do you ever do that? Do you try to get answers in the wrong places? Do you do the wrong things? Do you try to make things better in all the wrong ways? James says, use your wisdom and obey. That will help you with your choices in terms of God's, God's will. James presents one last option. He says, obeying God Verse 15 is where we ought to go. And sometimes obedience is is hard, isn't it? You know, every time when we have communion, I thank Jesus for listening to his dad. 
for going to the cross for me, for my family. I thank God the Father for his grace, for mercy, forgiveness, for kindness, for on on the list goes. Why is it so hard for us to obey? Well, some of it has to do because we're, we're just too busy, aren't we? We're just too busy. That's not really the way it works. And we want to do things, but we just don't know how to do it. And whenever there's a new business that takes over another business, they usually hang a sign out front. Do you know what it says? Under new management. That means you might be getting the same hamburger, but it'll just come to you differently. Got different people in there. They're going to do it better and faster, and it's just going to be a whole different deal. So whenever someone accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whenever they are buried in Christian baptism, we ought to hang a sign around their neck that says, Under New Management. From this day forward, I'm going to try my best to talk differently, to live differently, to make better choices. And in doing so, I'm going to be the kind of person that pleases God. So I guess in a fast kind of world, it's not how fast you do life, but it's how well you do life fast. Three things I'm going to ask you to do with me this morning. The first is communion is almost ready to be served to you. And this is a very personal time between you and God, and I hope that you thank Jesus for what he's done for you. I hope that you ask God to take you by the hand and to do life with you. I also want to give you a chance maybe to come forward and and pray. I would love to have a chance to pray with you and deal with some of your difficulties with you and help you through those things. Or maybe you just have something to celebrate. I love thanking God, don't you? We celebrated Simon's first birthday yesterday. He doesn't understand he's supposed to eat the cake. He put it all over his face. But he'll learn. He's just one. He'll make the right choices. What about you? I know you're more than one. I don't see any cake on your face, so I think you've learned that. But maybe we just need to thank God from whom all blessings flow. Or maybe you need to talk more about what it would mean to be a member of this place. Maybe about baptism, maybe about transfer of membership. This is your time. As our guys come, let me pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this place. Father, we live in a fast, fast world, a busy world. And help us, Father God, not just to do life fast, but help us to do it well. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. And we thank you, Father God, for your plan. I pray that this cup and this bread really mean something to us. With our choices, help our wisdom and obedience be pleasing to you so that we can be a part of your will. In your son's name I pray.